Welcome to another episode of The Bandage Podcast, a weekly wrap-up of the most trending healthcare news. Each week, join me and my co-host, Alex Ross, as we'll discuss the latest in healthcare, health IT, and compliance. In this week's episode, we discuss fast MRI scanning technology, fitness center reopenings, and healthier milk chocolate. You heard it here first. Let's wrap things up. This is episode 47 for the week of August 24th. I'm Matt Moneypenny. And I'm Alex Ross. Before we get started, our diagnosis code of the week is W37.0XXA, explosion of bicycle tire initial encounter. Right, because you only make that mistake once. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) Or twice, because there's two wheels on a bicycle. Yeah, but after you mess up the first one, you're not doing it again. So... There's, um, you know, most cars have tires that are tubeless. They don't have a tube in them. Uh, but okay. bicycles have kind of taken a while to catch up with that technology. Um, and so usually when you buy a bike, it's got inner tubes. Um, mm-hmm. I thought I would be sly and convert my bike to tubeless uh, because the, the benefit of that is if the tire goes flat, then you can put a tube in it and keep riding whereas if it already has a tube in it well then you got a tube that you got to patch or take out or and it's a whole big deal and i don't want to deal with it and they just pop easier Uh, so uh, obviously i didn't want that so i i was in order to get the tire to make a proper seal on a bike that's not designed to have tubeless tires you really have to pump it up um, yes. So here I am in my garage with my bike on the repair stand with the tire right at eye level. Um, and I get out my air compressor and I start pumping it up and pumping it up and pumping it up. And uh, it's just not seating at all. Uh, and then it did the opposite of seating um, where it flew off the bike at violent speeds. Ah. Um, and it, in order to get it to seal, you have to put in sealant, which is this goopy stuff that's all sticky and rubbery and uh yeah i'll be cleaning that out of my hair for probably the next four or five weeks you know bike tires need between 60 and 80 psi so going above that that's a lot of work <laughs> who who told you that uh the internet run, the I most my bike. <laughs> accurate of I sources my tires at, at about 25 psi um, yeah, well, maybe that's your problem. But no, that's the opposite of a problem. That's kind of that's one of the other benefits of a tubeless tire. You can run it a lot lower because it doesn't have that tube that could possibly get pinched between the the rim and the tire. Ah, yes, of course, of course. Well, let's bike right into the news. First up, we have your profile picture isn't Facebook's only quick image capability. Facebook AI research and NYU Lango are developing a system to speed up MRI scans. The researchers did a blind test of their system, FastMRI. Radiologists examined scans taken with either the traditional method or FastMRI, and they couldn't tell the difference between the two. They were able to pinpoint abnormalities and pathologies in the same scans, regardless of the method. FastMRI relies on 75% less data than traditional scans, so it's four times faster. This helps streamline time-invasive processes so patients can have scans quicker, faster, better, stronger. It's especially helpful since there is a shrinking pool of radiologists who spend 15 to 90 minutes per patient scan. 
I don't know. You know, I wonder like a way to get through the line faster so you can scan more. Yeah. I wonder, you know, if if hospitals and healthcare are anything like economics, I wonder if it's going to be like the faster MRIs can happen, the less expensive that they'll be. We can hope, but I doubt that. Um, Yeah, I doubt that, too, (laughs) just because of the nature of healthcare. But you think, you know, that would make sense. Maybe right. that's a solution. You know, Supply we also and demand. know that MRI machines are ridiculously expensive. Yes. And having the ability to do four times as many scans with just the same machine, uh, that potentially frees up a lot of space um, instead of having to have four machines yes. and four radiologists. Maybe. So, yeah, I, I do see it as an ability to kind of reduce overhead in general. But Maybe also, the opposite will occur. Maybe hospitals will take advantage of the fact that they can get more people in MRI machines and they'll charge, still charge the same rate or more and then they'll just make a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. Well, now that they have the extra scan time available, they can scan a whole lot of people that yes. normally they would have just been like, eh, yeah, it's probably broken. Have you <laughs> seen how fast MRI machines spin? No. It's like it's like scary. It's like a jet engine. This hmm. the speed like legitimately it's as fast as like a jet engine turbine spinning around you. Which wow. I think is part of the reason obviously it's part of the reason why it's so expensive, but I also think that you don't notice that when you're a patient. So I feel like there's a lot of soundproofing and stuff that goes involved with it that's like super advanced. So that probably has a lot to do with the expenses as well. Right, it's just an expensive machine. If you're ever going to make your money back uh, yes. buying it, and and it does some pretty incredible things, so you know, it, I'm not necessarily saying that the cost of the machine is not justified. Right. I'm trying to figure out what Facebook has to do with this story at all, other than <laughs> Facebook, Facebook is just going to take your data. They have no other. <laughs> right. Just their AI technology, and they're just going to take all of our data. That's all. Yeah, they're going to use our MRI scans to target our ads. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Next up, ensuring the only thing New Yorkers get at the gym is fit. Gyms and fitness centers in New York will finally be allowed to reopen as early as August 24th after being closed since mid March. They will need to follow rigorous safety protocols. The Livingston County Department of Health will be enforcing the guidelines to ensure fitness facilities reopen safely. The Center for Environmental Health of the LCDOH will conduct inspections within 14 days of reopening any facility. Some requirements are 33% capacity, appropriate face coverings worn at all times, six feet separation at all times, and a sign-in with contact information and a health screening. The sign-in will help in case contact tracing is needed. So we have had our gyms open for the past... Since April, right? I think so. They closed in March, and I think they reopened in April or May or something. And originally, you didn't need face coverings, and now you do when you go to the gym. I don't know if you know that, but um, it's kind of interesting. At first, they were really strict about it. Now they're like, if you take off, you can take off your mask while you're doing your your little workout exercise, as long as there's no one by you. But the fact that you have to wear a mask when you're at the gym, and obviously it's going to be way more strict in New York because it's a hot spot, is a little, uh, it's a little painful, especially for doing cardio with a mask on. I mean, I guess it makes you stronger in the end because 
you're right. limiting your oxygen so it increases your lung capacity but sure i can't see it making that big of a difference it's more so just wildly uncomfortable um, yes to wear some restrictive and or thick piece of cloth across your face while and i wonder exercising you know i wonder if since it's been so long since new york has had gyms open i wonder if there's people that went to the gym that much found a substitute and they figured out a way to just not even have a gym membership anymore like maybe they were just like i'm just gonna have a home gym like this is kind of ridiculous whatever and now i wonder if gyms are just gonna lose out on all those subscribers or a lot of their loyal subscribers because of covid and alternatives I mean, in the short term, that's not a huge deal because they're limiting their capacity so much, uh, you know, they wouldn't be able to have everyone who was coming in before. Come yes. In. But in the long term, I could see that being a real challenge for these gyms trying to rebuild that clientele who have found alternative methods of exercising. I know like we were talking earlier, um, I have been biking a lot more because the outdoors is open <laughs> yes and I, I don't so i go to the gym still right since it's reopened but that's only for the machines and then i go home and i do my cardio at home which might change when it gets colder but uh, as of right now i mean i like it because it doesn't it feels like my workout is shorter because i'm doing 30 minutes there with weights and then coming home and then doing cardio and it's like oh right. easy so i don't know we'll see next up Willy Wonka would be happy about this. Healthier chocolate that tastes better, not bitter. Researchers may have found a way to create a healthier version of milk chocolate that mimics the health benefits of dark chocolate without sacrificing any taste. Dark chocolate is naturally healthier because it's high in phenolic compounds. It improves cardiovascular factors and has lower sugar and fat content, but it tastes bitter. The new higher antioxidant form of milk chocolate can be made with recycled food scraps that would otherwise go to waste such as coffee grounds, discarded tea leaves, and peanut skins. It was even preferred over milk chocolate by a panel of taste testers. This could be more economical than dark chocolate since it provides the same micronutrient boost at a lower price by upcycling materials that would otherwise get thrown away. Who would have thought that someone would come up with an alternative to chocolate by using something like coffee grounds and discarded tea leaves? Interesting. I'm going to have to read more about it because so, that, be, that doesn't sound <laughs> even It sounds yeah, it doesn't yeah, it doesn't even sound like remotely like appetizing <laughs> at all. <laughs> no. It, it's almost like it's almost like McDonald's chicken nuggets where they're just like scraps of chicken. You're like, ah, "Should I really be eating this?" Yeah. <laughs> well, supposedly this will uh, kind of provide you some similar nutrient benefits, so I wonder if there's caffeine in it. Like I wonder if they somehow process out the caffeine. I would guess there is, considering coffee grounds and tea leaves. Yeah, I don't know if there's a way to not have caffeine in it, which I guess could be reverse marketed as like a perk. You know what I mean? Um, But I think overall, I prefer dark chocolate over milk chocolate because it's way better and tastier. As far as health benefits go, I don't think if I'm going to buy a chocolate bar whether it's milk or dark chocolate, I'm even remotely thinking about health benefits because it's chocolate. But I don't know. Maybe there's maybe there's a market out there where people are like, man, I wish chocolate was healthy. And they're like, oh, do I have the peanut tasting shell skin for you? Mm-hmm. So what I'm seeing in the article, just reading through it, 
they are taking these items and basically grinding them up and mixing them into chocolate in in such quantities as to kind of hide the flavor of them uh-huh but then allow you to ingest the the antioxidant compounds specifically they're talking a lot about peanut skins which are apparently 15% these phenolic compounds these things that are rich in antioxidants and so they're just kind of like grinding them up and sticking them in there I mean, the concept is really cool because peanut skins and stuff like that is already free, essentially, right? Because you could probably go to planners and be like, hey, guys, can I have your peanut skins? And they'll be like, uh, yeah, <laughs> we just throw them away. <laughs> like, <laughs> so, I mean, that's a really creative way to start like some sort of uh, new wave of business kind of thing where it could actually potentially take over an entire market if if it catches on. But right. Here's a weird thing from the article, though. It says, quote, Dean's team also tested for peanut allergens and found none present in the samples. How? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I feel like even even uh, chocolate bars themselves, like regular chocolate bars, will say that they have some sort of peanut uh, allergen like either made with something that makes something with peanuts or whatever, you know what I mean? So yeah, I don't know how that works. <laughs> oh, gosh, now I just want a chocolate bar. I yes. know what I'm having for breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, let's go into our next segment. B-R-E-A-C-H, Breach Patrol. It's a breach! All of the latest cybersecurity breaches. Welcome to Breach Patrol, where we talk about the latest healthcare breaches and cybersecurity breaches all across the world. First up, we have a vendor that's sure to grind some gears. A Jefferson Parish public school uses the student portal vendor Edgear, which recently exposed confidential information of 86 students. About 42,000 students' families received text messages that contained the login information for one of the 86 students. Edgear immediately shut down the system while they investigated what happened. Early findings indicated that only two students' account were accessed using the information. Edgear immediately reset all passwords, and each of the 86 student families was contacted individually to explain what happened. This kind of sounds like a big ol' oopsie by someone who didn't <laughs> mean to do that. <laughs> Yeah, so 86 <laughs> students, but 42,000 families were <laughs> affected. You, imagine what that would be like. You're sitting there on a, a Thursday afternoon. Kids just got home from school, and you get a text message from what appears to be their school, and you're like, oh, it's the username and password of a random student. <laughs> of little Jimmy, your best friend. <laughs> what would you do with that? <laughs> I don't think I, you could really do much, honestly. Right. Like, I like that they said, though, that a few of them, a couple of them were accessed. And so here you are. You just got this random text message with a username and password. And you're like, <laughs> you know what? I'm going to log in. Let's see what Jimmy's algebra grade is looking like. Let's see if his parents are upset or if my, my kid's better than Jimmy. Right. <laughs> what an, what a weird situation. <laughs> yeah, definitely weird. Uh, I mean, extremely like if this was a... Uh, if this was a malicious thing, it's like super illegal, right? Because these are all uh, mostly minors, I imagine, other right. than like maybe seniors. So I wonder what that what the stipulations of that would be if it was like you breached and hacked 
the information of minors. I wonder if that's held to a higher liability in court than mm-hmm. someone who's like an adult. I don't know. Right, because adults, it's totally cool if you uh, steal their stuff. <laughs> yeah, you can just steal my data all you want, you know. <laughs> exactly, because I'm already but in so much. You touch my debt. kids' data, you better go life in prison, man. <laughs> Next up, Experian seeing a major problem. The credit bureau Experian, you guessed it, suffered a massive data breach exposing personal information of up to 24 million South Africans and almost. 800,000 businesses to a suspected fraudster. South African Banking Risk Center, Sabric, said that Experian reported the incident to law enforcement authorities and is working with the, quotes, appropriate regulatory authorities. Banks have been working with Experian and Sabric to identify which customers may have been exposed. Banks and Sabric have been cooperating with Experian in their efforts to secure the data and find the perpetrators. South African banks are communicating with their customers about how they may be affected by the breach and what is being done to protect them. A lot of quotations in this. (laughs) The, quote, suspected fraudster, unquote, and the appropriate authorities, end quote. Right. Can can we all just, I don't know, I'd like to make a deal with everyone. Just leave Experian alone at this point. (laughs) Why? They've had it bad enough. (laughs) (laughs) And and it seems like they are still not kind of getting the the memo that they should fix things when they're having this large of breaches again. I wonder if they like, I wonder if after their first breach, they like went crazy and laid off a bunch of their people on their cybersecurity department. And then they hired a bunch of new people and they're way in over their head. So it just keeps happening. And now they're like, well, here we are. Right. Let's uh, work with the appropriate authorities. The the issue I have with Experian is that I don't have the option whether or not to use their business. Right. If I have a credit line that gets reported to the credit bureaus, Experian being one of them, and I don't have the option to say, don't send my information to them. They're not safe. And that's what makes it so bad. Right. And maybe they know that. Maybe they know that I don't have a choice. And so they don't care. <laughs> yeah, I'm they're like, well, I, I mean, we're not going to lose any customers, so might as right. well open the gates. <laughs> Heck, maybe they're the ones selling them. <laughs> Make a little extra money on the side. Yeah, why not? Why not? Uh, I hope not. Just leave Experian alone. <laughs> <laughs> Please. Leave them alone. We're begging you. Next up, dinner for two? Hackers will eat that up. One of London's top hotels, the Ritz London, failed to report a breach of their food and beverage reservation system. Customers were then targeted by scammers who posed as the Ritz London staff. They managed to trick several customers into confirming their credit card details with the booking details from the restaurant reservation system. It was easy for scammers to convince unsuspecting customers to provide payment information. In response to the news that customers fell victim to the scammers, the hotel confirmed that it suffered a security incident that may have compromised customer data. The extent of the breach is unknown, but the hotel said that all affected customers have been contacted. The Ritz London also launched an investigation and said that no credit card or payment details were exposed, at least not through the breach, just through the follow-up phone calls. 
What an interesting way to get some information. <laughs> That's, Could you imagine? You're like on vacation and you're at London and you're staying at the Ritz because you saved up all your money to go to this expensive, really over the top hotel. Like, you know what? Let's get some, you know, let's get some room service tonight. Let's see what they have. And then you call this number and it's just this guy who's malicious. And like, what's the specials? And he's like, um, uh, chicken nuggets, mac and cheese. (laughs) Oh, I wonder how fancy the mac and cheese is. Right, but, I'm very excited for that. Yeah, I mean, it's just like it just goes back to everything where it's like, if you're not always aware of everything that's going on and let your guard down for a second, you could just lose your credit card information like in two seconds. Right. So, and I feel like that's a lot of breaches that are happening nowadays. Is it's not like the money they're taking; they're not taking the money directly. They're getting the information they need to then get the money later. Yeah. Once they know some specific information that nobody else would know, then they can use that to, to trick people. Right? Yeah. If you made a reservation at a restaurant and then someone called you and said, hey, this is, you know, Jim from the restaurant that you're coming to later. Um, We're having a little issue with your reservation. It's, your credit card seems to not be working. So could I get you to confirm that number for me? Like, why would you think that's suspicious? Right? Yeah. Because and they you go, know that you're coming to that restaurant that you have a reservation. Right. And the only people who would know that should be the restaurant. Yes. So, that, so I mean, frankly, it's kind of brilliant. <laughs> Highly <laughs> yep, illegal. Yep. Don't it's do super, this. But. You know, hackers are really creative. These malicious people are they're like, hey, let's figure out some way to just kind of catch people slipping. And they usually get it. So. Right. Just stay alert at all times. You cannot let your guard down ever. Yes, Even in your sleep, hackers may yeah. be getting into your information. Yeah, definitely don't sleep anymore. Don't sleep. You need to stay up and monitor your credit. Just stay at frosty at all times. <laughs> <laughs> and that's it for this week's wrap up of your weekly healthcare news. I'm Alex Ross. I'm Matt Moneypenny. And we will see you next week. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of The Bandage. This week's episode was written and produced by eTactics. eTactics is a leading revenue cycle solutions organization committed to providing innovative, web-based solutions that improve our clients' cash management and customer relationships. Thanks, and we'll see you next week.